What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I am Justin Michael. I'm your host. We are talking about recruiting. The Rams have picked up a couple of verbals this week. Definitely encouraging. It's going to be an interesting recruiting cycle with the schedule being impacted by, you know, COVID last year. But it's good to see things opening back up. It's good to see this process just getting a little bit more normal again, I guess. I don't know. We're also going to talk about CFB playoff expansion. It's rumored that, you know, it could expand to 12. There's a proposal on the table right now uh, based from Bowlesby out of the Big 12. Uh, Craig Thompson had a part in it. So I'm going to talk about that, give my thoughts on it. I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted. I actually think four is somewhat the right number, but it just leaves so many teams out and that's why I'm I'm somewhat in favor of expansion, but I'll get into all of that and more. First, though, got to shout out the friends over at Chevalier Mortgage. Guys, buying a home, it's stressful, especially in Colorado. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The market right now is just absurd, so let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They'll alleviate so much stress and take some worry off of your plate. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, and with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Right now, they've got a fun perk for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia, they're proud DNVR members, CSU alums, and they will work nights and weekends to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com or give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or you can always visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right, all right, all right. Let's just jump right into it. It's been a pretty successful week for Steve Adazio and company on the recruiting trail. First landed a commitment from three-star wide receiver Kai O'Day Jr. of Cherry Creek High School on June 7th. He holds offers from CSU, Air Force, UNC, Northern Arizona, Penn, and Wyoming thus far. He's a guy who, you know, when you look at just the stats, not, you know, eye-dropping or anything like that, but he's an all-world sprinter, like a really, really successful sprinter. He's put it on film, like he has that ability to break any type of play. couple of really explosive plays on his huddle, has a 97 kickoff, a 97-yard kickoff return for a touchdown where he pretty much just just torches everyone on the field. So, you know, Cherry Creek is one of those situations where, you know, you might not have the the biggest stats in the world just because they're one of those programs that has so much talent. It's it's hard to, you know, really rack it up over the course of multiple years. Most guys really only get, you know, their junior year and senior year, sometimes even just your senior year because there's just so much talent all around you. You know, being honest, you know, from what I've seen, he looks a little bit raw as a route runner, but that's okay. I mean, most guys coming out of high school are. And the the encouraging thing is, you know, when you have blazing burner type speed, 
that's not coachable. Like, you can improve your speed a little bit, but not to the degree where you're just blessed with, you know, absurd athletic talent. And, you know, his dad was a college football player, started his career at Colorado Mesa University um, before, well, it used to be Mesa State when he was there, and then transferred to Utah State. So, you know, he comes from, you know, good bloodlines, which is a little bit overhyped at times, but it is, you know, kind of an indicator of athletic success. I mean, especially we're seeing it a lot in the NFL right now. A lot of a lot of guys coming into the league whose dads played. I mean, J.C. Horn, obviously, son of Joe Horn. Antoine Winfield Jr., Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, Keevan Bailey was obviously at Colorado State, but is in the transfer portal. Haven't yet found out where he is headed next. That'll be interesting to see. Kind of a bummer, but getting back on track, you know, Coyote Jr., he's a guy who I think reminds me a little bit of Langston Williams last year. Doesn't have a ton of stats, you know, doesn't have the type of production that that jumps off the charts, but has really, really, really nice upside just given how explosive and dynamic they are as athletes. There's so many stats that show being a multi-sport athlete really tends to equate to success in football, you know, down the line. So many of these kids want to specialize growing up, but it's good to do other sports to develop other muscles and just get those experiences. I mean, look at Trey McBride. He was a all everything in his high school, you know, best baseball player, best basketball player, best football player, all conference and all of them has a school record in home runs. You know, you just can't teach that type of athleticism. And that's why I'm really intrigued by him. And beyond that, you know, Coyote Jr., he seems like the type of player that would have been overlooked under the Mike Bobo regime, and then he would end up in Laramie, Wyoming, and then, you know, he would have a game where he goes for like 130 yards and three scores against CSU. I mean, how many times have we seen these Colorado kids go elsewhere and come back to burn the Rams? And Steve Adazio, when he was hired, he said that he would make Colorado a priority. He said he was going to build this thing from the inside out. And, you know, so far he's really stayed true to that commitment. I mean, Bobo signed a lot of Colorado players in his first class, but that made sense because they just didn't have time to go elsewhere. But as we went on and on down the line, you started to see him, you know, shifting further and further away. And I get that you're always going to use the connects you have. Like, it made sense that he was bringing in a lot of players from the South because him and most of his assistants, that's where they had their high school recruiting ties. You know, it was in Georgia, Louisiana, Florida. I get all of that. But also, I mean, we saw so many of those kids come in and then leave. And and obviously, like, you have to be able to recruit outside of Colorado. You need to go, you know, to Florida and get a Dante right. You need to go into Texas and get talent. You need to go to California, Arizona, I mean, even Utah a little bit for Colorado. But ultimately, when you look at this program and when it's been at, at its peak, when it's had the most consistent success... It was with rosters stacked with Colorado talent, and there's just a different sense of pride when you're from the state, when you grow up and you watch CSU and you, you know, dream of playing for the Rams versus, you know, you come here just because it's the best offer that you get. And I know every situation is different. Like, again, I'm not trying to say you only get Colorado talent because there's not enough guys here to, you know, build your entire team and, and be competitive, but the meat and potatoes have got to come from Colorado. You've got to have a strong foundation here as a state school. 
I mean, the way I see it is, if you can't even recruit your own state successfully, how can you expect to go into other states and land premier talent? Like, these people have an up-close view of your program. They have a sense on the pulse, you know, they, they can see what's going on, they can feel it. You got to win those guys over first, and then, you know, the, the talent from elsewhere will come, especially after you start to have consistent success. But at the end of the day, like, this roster, you got to have, like, 25, 30, 35 kids from Colorado at any given time. I'm, I'm not even being dramatic. Like, you got to build it from the inside out. I actually want to go back to a quote from Steve Adazio from his introductory press conference where he just kind of talks about, you know, the legacy that Sonny Lubick built. And then it kind of transitions into him talking about wanting players that are going to understand the meaning of rivalry and what it means to Colorado State and what it means to be a CSU Ram and, you know, what it means to participate in the border war and hold the bronze boot and just represent. And I, I just think so much of that comes from state pride. I think it's it's so important to have kids that are, you know, from here that want to play for CSU where it's a, it's a dream come true to them. And we've seen the staff do a great job and it's 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 encouraging to see them continuing that early trend and, you know, not just making it a, a footnote or, you know, something that they said in the introductory presser to win, you know, the alumni over to get the applause. It's, it's something that they're actually committed to. And it seems like they're going to remain committed to throughout their tenure. So I, I believe that long-term we're going to see it pay off, you know, landing players like Jack Howell, you know, who's not, I understand he went and played in Arizona for his senior year at Hamilton, but, you know, he's a Valor Christian guy. You know, landing the Langston Williams of the world, going to Columbine and getting a Tanner Hollins. There are good football programs in the state that produce D1 players, you know, and I, I just named a couple of them, Cherry Creek, Valor, Columbine, Pomona. CSU has actually had a lot of success recruiting Bear Creek, although <laughs> my alma mater is down at the moment, but that's you know, where Jake Bennett came from. That's where Barry Wesley came from. That's where Ola B.C. Johnson came from. That's where Justin Holland came from, the highest uh, rated recruit to ever sign with the Rams. I just, I just believe you have to make Colorado the foundation. And I think if they continue to do so, I think we're going to continue seeing this team having success and winning some of these rivalry games and you know, maybe not having quite so much roster turnover from year to year. I just think it's a, a different sense of pride is all. Anyways, here's that quote from Steve Adazio from his introductory press conference. And then I will talk about Jake McNamara, the 2022 QB commit at a Tennessee that CSU picked up recently. I mentioned, I mentioned Coach Lubick. So I've had a chance to meet Coach through Urban over the years. And I admired what he did here through his 15 seasons and his championships and his bowl games and the culture and the community that he engaged and the legacy that he left here, absolutely incredible. And I had a chance to reach out to Coach last night and to tell him that I would be coming and to let him know that I want to be able to build a friendship with him and to seek his advice and wisdom. I know how important the rivalry games are here. And I'm not, I, I think I'm going to take a page out of Urban's book, and I think I'm just not going to mention the name. We'll just refer to it as the team up north. 
will make that reference. I know the border war, and I know a little something about that game. I had a chance to beat that team in a bowl game a number of years back when I was at Temple. And uh, we're going to work hard every day to prepare for those games. I know how important the Colorado game is and the Air Force game. I understand the importance level of those rivalries. And we're going to get that boot and we're going to bring it back here. And that's going to be important. <laughs> Taking this job, I knew that we had the facilities, we have the alignment of the university, which is incredible, to watch our president and our athletic director completely aligned. And with these beautiful facilities and this wonderful university and what it has to offer, we have a chance to be at the very upper echelon of the conference that we play in. And so we have the tools necessary to build, recruit, develop, and compete at the highest level. And that's what our plan is going to do. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. My friends and family have all been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, all you gotta do is pick any basketball team that's still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's with the promo code DNVR when you sign up for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only, wagers paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We have partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Solace has some banging deals the month of June. Here's a few to look forward to. You can get 15% off all Gold Shelf Concentrates, 20% off all of Wana Tinctures and Tarts, 25% off all Blues Brother Joint Packs, 25% off all Dixie products, 20% off all Keep Cola products. They're also doing weekly vendor pop-ups through the entire month of June. If you head into the Wheat Ridge location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code as well. That's the Wheat Ridge location of Solace Meds. Head in, mention DNVR20, and you're going to get 20% off your entire order, plus a free Solace Bar or King Cone. That is an incredible offer. Remember, you can get all of these amazing deals and 20% off your entire purchase when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Just head to their website, that's S-O-L-A-C-E-Meds.com, order online and pick up at your convenience.
It really does not get any better than this. And again, DNVR20 to save 20% off your entire order. Word, word, word. So the reason that I decided to come back to that introductory press conference and kind of just go back to that quote is to just reaffirm the point that when CSU was at its peak, when the Rams were most dominant under Sonny Lubick, it was with the roster that was homegrown. It was with the foundation that was built here in Colorado. Lubick understood the importance of building from, you know, within, and he obviously was able to have a ton of success. Now, I understand it's a different era of football. Again, you're, you're always going to have to have success elsewhere. And, you know, Adazio, he's done a good job of using his East Coast ties, you know, getting people to come from Boston College, Temple, you know, pulling some guys out of states that CSU probably typically wouldn't have been recruiting in the past. That all make you know, that's all good. That's all fine. But at the end of the day, you just got to have a roster that's built. Sonny understood that. He understood the importance of, you know, getting these local guys to, to stay in state and, you know, maybe taking a chance on somebody who just desperately wants to be a CSU Ram, maybe not necessarily the same frame as a guy, you know, coming out of Texas or, you know, maybe a little bit slower, but ultimately a guy that's just going to bust his ass and do everything that he can to represent CSU to, you know, get his spot on the roster to, to rep the Rams. And I think, you know, like Joe Hansley kind of made the same point when I had him on the Rams pod a while back, you know, time and time again, we see these Colorado kids that come in with, you know, just a couple offers and then they end up you know, being generational players, or maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but guys that end up having, you know, really strong careers, you know, look at BC Johnson, you know, people weren't, they weren't, you know, knocking down his door trying to get BC Johnson. It was, you know, like basically CSU and Wyoming and Air Force, you know, same thing with Jake Bennett, you know, he didn't have a ton of offers. Joe Hansley didn't have a ton of offers. These are all in-state guys that were slept on a little bit. They came through CSU. They took pride in representing this school and they developed over a couple of years, and that's always going to be the key to success for CSU, at least on a consistent basis, you know? Hopefully you're able to get some other guys from out of state that come in and make a big impact, the Dante Wrights, the Michael Gallops of the world, but ultimately, your foundation's got to be in state. All right, I'm going to move on, because I feel like I've been making the same point here over and over again, but uh, CSU also added a commitment from Jake McNamara, a 5'11", 185-pound quarterback out of Franklin, Tennessee. He has a brother that's a quarterback at the University of Michigan, another brother who's a wide receiver at Western Kentucky. You know, 5'11", obviously not, not the typical frame of a, of a Division I starting quarterback, but, you know, kind of watching his huddle highlights, it's clear that, you know, arm strength isn't an issue he can you know, really sling it in there. He moves around pretty well, had a couple of rushing touchdowns, was the 5A Offensive Player of the Year uh, in Tennessee. So, you know, he's he's got some clout on his name, got an invite to the Elite 11. That's encouraging to me because most of the people that participate in that event go on to have pretty successful careers, at least at the collegiate level. You know, oftentimes even, you know, the NFL, most of those guys participated in the Elite 11 at one point or another, at least the the modern quarterbacks, um, you know, ultimately I, I like, you know, a guy that's a little bit taller, but you just got to adjust sometimes, you know, you got to like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, you just, you improvise a little bit. You might not have the cleanest looks at times, but that's why you got to really be confident with your reads and you got to really know the system. But 
Anyways, he had just under 2,200 passing yards, 19 touchdowns in nine games last year. Also had three rushing scores. One of the things I like about him, he's training with Jordan Palmer, who's you know kind of widely regarded as one of the better quarterback coaches in the game. Some of the people that he works with, you know, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Sam Darnold, among others. So Bo Nix at Auburn. He is, you know, expected to still participate in some other camps at other schools, including Western Kentucky, where his brother currently attends. So we'll have to, you know, kind of keep an eye on that down the line. Obviously, a verbal commitment is, you know, not worth a whole lot in this day and age, really, until you sign your NLI. It's, I mean, basically just like a tweet. It really, it means nothing. But I will say... At least based on looking at the the recruiting classes since Adazio's been here, he seems to do a pretty good job of getting and then holding his commitments. I mean, there were, you know, a couple of people, and and that's always going to happen. You're always going to lose a couple, especially when people are committing this early. But hopefully, you know, hopefully you're able to keep them throughout. That was a consistent problem under Mike Bobo. He'd go and get a solid QB commit, and then they would blow up and end up at a Power 5 school. Something similar could happen with McNamara, especially if, especially if he has, you know, a really dominant fall season. Right now, you know, CSU might benefit from the fact that there was just less eyes on him last year in a weird COVID season, but it's encouraging. I mean, I think you, you've got to build the depth up in that room, and I like that Adazio's made an emphasis to bring in a lot of young quarterbacks. They obviously signed three in the last class, and now they already got one. Maybe they'll get another one. It'll be interesting to see how many you bring in. I don't think you want to bring like five or six guys in just because at some point I think that could be detrimental to everyone's success just because not enough reps to go around. And then obviously relationships can get frayed, but you know, ultimately you need guys that are going to be willing to compete. It's just finding that weird balance of how many guys do we bring in? How many guys can we get quality reps? We don't want to spend time trying to develop five guys. If you have five guys that are all in contention for quarterback, you really have no quarterbacks. You you need one guy to eventually take the reign. But yeah, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. He seems like an intriguing process, you know, maybe a little bit undersized, but that could benefit CSU. That could be the reason that he falls through the cracks and ends up being a solid pickup. We'll just have to see how it all plays out. You know, I've I've been pretty honest about how I just think the recruiting process is a little bit silly. I mean, if you're quote unquote committed, but you're still attending other camps or still, you know, talking to other schools, are you really that committed? You know, at some point to me, if you're committed, you're committed, but I don't know. I, I, maybe that's a little bit old man of me to, to feel that way. It's just, I don't know. Recruiting is weird. It's a, it's a weird process. But uh, I'm going to move on, and I'm going to talk about the potential of college football playoff expansion. It it could expand to 12 teams, which would obviously be good for G5 teams. Now, I don't know what that would mean for the bowl system. I I know that, you know, in 2021, most people hate college bowl games. I'm one of the rare people that still loves bowls. You know, I like watching the random bowl game on a Tuesday afternoon. Florida Atlantic versus, you know, Memphis and the... Chick-fil-A bowl or something. I don't even know. Chick-fil-A, I think, sponsors bigger bowls than that. But you get what I mean, like Western Kentucky versus Boston College or something. Like I like all the randomness of bowl season. It's what I grew up with. I'm nostalgic for it. I mean, some of my best sports watching memories are just 
being on winter break in school and watching random college bowl games with my little brother and my dad, I, I just love it. And I think it's important for the development of programs, especially when, you know, the reality is even if you expand the college football playoff, there's still really only about like 10 to 15 teams that are at least on a regular basis going to be able to contend for a national championship. The difference in resources is just so significant that to expect otherwise, I think is just silly. I mean, I get that if, if that's really how it is, like it, it's kind of an indictment of the sport and you need some change. And that's why I'm, I'm okay with this because it at least gives more schools an opportunity, especially the G5 schools. I mean, it's so disheartening to see, you know, Cincinnati run the table and not even get a sniff or, you know, UCF back in the day, run the table and not even, not even get a look. And I get that you can schedule up and you can do all that, but that's also easier said than done with the way that scheduling works. Now you're scheduling these games like eight to nine, you know, 10 years in advance. You don't know if they're going to be still relevant in a decade. Like so much can change. So much can change in a decade. Ultimately, I do think you have to change something to get more teams an opportunity just for the general interest level in the sport. I think at this point, people are becoming pretty discontented, at least. At least in this format, you do technically get a shot. Now, I think it's probably going to result in a lot of like 45 to 10 ass whoopings of the top six teams just beating down the other six teams. But also it, it could produce a Cinderella story, you know, I think. So much of what makes March Madness intriguing is that everybody that makes the NCAA tournament has a fair shot. You know, they have a legitimate shot to be the national champion. Obviously, if you're like a 16 seed, a 15 seed, you'd have to do something crazy. You'd have to beat all kinds of teams and go on an unprecedented run. But you have that opportunity. It, it is possible in theory. And in the in the current iteration of the college football playoff, if you're a G5 team, you cannot make it. You can't. I'm like, even if it would take a situation where you'd have to like run the table, win multiple games against power five teams, probably even ranked power five teams. And then on top of that, you would need like everybody that finishes second or third in the power conferences to have like three or four plus losses. Because if it's a two loss situation, if it's even close someone like Georgia is going to slip in over a Cincinnati or a Central Florida or a, a Boise State, you know, if they got back into the position that they were, you know, like 10 years ago where they were, you know, kind of on the cusp of at least, you know, contending for championships. I don't know if realistically they were ever quite that level, but I mean, you know, they're winning Fiesta Bowls, they're winning big prominent games, they're going out on the road, they're playing Power 5 teams in the regular season. They're, you know, in contention you know, with an expanded playoff, at least at least a team from the Mountain West, if they went undefeated and, you know, were, were ranked, you know, pretty high, they'd at least get a shot. You know, it, I, I saw a statistic that kind of went through some of these proposed, you know, playoff expansion formats and how it would work, like if you took the highest ranked six conference champions or whatever, and then everybody else, the next six um, highest ranked teams in the CFB playoff, it would have only produced like one Mountain West team in the playoff since its inception, but at least they would have had a shot. It would have produced five from the American. And so, you know, we, we can see that there's a path for G5 teams to at least get an opportunity. My only 
hesitation with college football playoff is, or with an expanded college football playoff is, I, I still think the politics of, you know, P five versus G five would still just dwarf it. I mean, ultimately, the college football playoff committee they are doing these rankings and they're subjective, and as long as it's subjective, as long as there's no consistent metric to hold everybody by the same standard. I, I think they're always going to give the bigger schools a benefit of the doubt. And at the end of the day, it, we're just going to keep ending up in a situation where it's like a 12 team playoff. And then there's two G five teams that finish in rankings like 14 through 20. And then we're just like, are we still clamoring on the table for even more expansion? Like, is this actually going to produce more opportunities for G five teams? Or are we just, is this just a pipe dream that we're selling ourselves? And I hate that I'm so cynical in that way, but I mean, what has happened in college football in the last decade to make us believe otherwise? It's the haves and the have-nots, and the gap is getting wider, and the people that talk about the sport on TV, they're, you know, part of the problem a little bit. They only focus on the Power 5 stuff, but I don't know. I still think when it all comes down to it, I support an expanded playoff just because I don't like the idea that not everybody even has an opportunity to compete for a national championship. Now, I've said time and time again, you can't have a championship bust or mentality in most situations as a sports fan because it's just going to lead to disappointment. Now, if you're in Alabama, if you're a Clemson, that's a different scenario. But even the Arkansas, the Ole Miss, you know, Mississippi State, Power 5 programs that, in theory, should have a shot at contending for a national championship. They don't, because there is a difference. Like, they have a much better shot than a Mountain West team, than an AAC team, than probably a Pac-12 team, or even a Big 12 team, just because of perception. But right now, it's like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then there's a couple of other fringe programs, like Penn State, Oklahoma. I guess you could put Texas A&M in that conversation, but I think they're borderline. LSU is, is probably a little bit higher on that list. And that's about it. Like, maybe Oregon, I guess, Oregon and USC, just because of their history. But, I mean, when we look at at the CFB playoff and how that they've valued, you know, conferences over the last five years, the Pac-12 is clearly the lowest of all the, the P5 programs, at least in the perception of the CFB playoff committee, in the eyes of them. That was a little bit of gibberish, but you you guys get where I'm coming from. The Pac-12 is not respected at the same level that the SEC is, that the Big 12 is, that the Big 10 is. It's just not. You know, it's... I don't know. I just... I don't think an expanded playoff will change it all that much. I hope so. I hope it does. I just wonder how the politics would influence it. And beyond that, if you do expand it, I wonder, you know, what does that mean for the bowl system? Are we abandoning it com- abandoning it completely? Because that would be disappointing to me because I think what's what's so misunderstood by so many fans is the bowls more than anything like it's an opportunity to to generate revenue for the schools, but beyond that, it's an opportunity to keep practicing for another month, to keep building on the continuity that you established throughout the season. I mean, if you qualify for a bowl, in theory, you should kind of like be hitting your stride, you know, by the time the, the season comes to a conclusion, assuming that your roster is healthy, you know, you should be in the full swing of things. And now you get to practice for another month and keep building off of that. 
and you don't have such a long gap. Teams that make bowls consistently, they have that great advantage. They get to practice a month more than teams that don't. And it's kind of ironic because if you don't make a bowl, you probably need that practice even more, but that's the perk of making it. You know, that's one of the big benefits. Beyond that, I just think they're fun. You know, I understand that the Gildan New Mexico Bowl is not as appealing as, you know, the Fiesta Bowl or a New Year's Six Bowl, but it's still a pretty damn good time. I mean, I had a phenomenal time at the 2017 New Mexico Bowl, and CSU didn't even win that, but it was just a really cool experience to go down to Albuquerque and see the way that the community embraced it. Obviously, they always have the really cool you know, trophy built by the the local tribes. And it's just a, it's a fun, unique experience. You know, the Las Vegas Bowl in 2014. Yeah, it sucked that CSU absolutely got their teeth kicked in by Utah, especially on the heels of losing Jim McElwain to Florida. But I had a great time in the days leading up to that game. And and even after, it was fun to, to go out there with my family. That was my first time visiting Las Vegas. I wasn't even 21 at the time. So it wasn't that exciting because I couldn't really get in there. But you know, it was fun being in CSU gear with my brother and walking down the street and running into Utah fans. I mean, like, go Rams, you know, go Utes. It was the banter of it all. It was it was a great time. And I, I would hate to see that lost, especially just because the reality is, is four teams, eight teams, 12 teams. It's still going to be the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons of the world that are in the championship game. Now, I, I get it. At least we have a shot for an upset if we expand. And so I'm not you know, trying to poo-poo all over the idea because I I think it would be good and it would at least, you know, reignite some fan bases and give them a sense of hope, which they probably have lost in the last five to six years, just knowing that the politics won't favor them. But at the end of the day, I still think it's going to be the same dominant programs because they just have such an advantage in what's become an arms race in college football. They have better facilities. They have more coaches. They've got more money. They've got more donors. They've got, you know, more people to take recruiting photos and edit videos and make hype stuff for social media. It's just, it's little things you wouldn't even think of. They just, they just have infinite resources, basically. Anyways, you know, that's my two cents on the situation. Basically, what it comes down to is I I support the expanded playoff because I think it at least gives fans hope and in theory should give everybody a better opportunity to contend for a national championship. Now, whether it'll actually play out that way, I'm skeptical I'm skeptical just because of the, the difference in, in resources. But we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Craig Thompson is part of the committee that, you know, came forward and put this on the table. And I think we gotta give him credit for that. He takes a lot of heat from Mountain West fans in just like you know, everybody feels like he doesn't do enough to advance the conference. And I think a lot of that criticism is fair because whether he's trying to or not, the Mountain West has clearly, you know, taken a step behind the AAC over the last half decade or so. And ultimately that does fall on the leadership, whether it's fair, you know, whether it's fair and completely fair or not, just because there's a lot of weird circumstances, but that's how it works. You know, when you're in charge, you take the blame. I like that he's at least, you know, trying and, and, you know, propositioning for the league to have a better shot. If I'm going to be critical of him, which I often have been, I at least have to be fair and give him props when he deserves them. And I think in this circumstance, he does. So that's that's where I'm at. You know, 
shout out Craig Thompson. Not something that I say all that often, but you know, at least you're at least you're out there trying to do something because I think in the next couple of years we're gonna see a lot of change in just the way that college football works. I do think we are drifting away from the bowl system just because the interest in them on a national level just isn't what it was even a decade ago. And the playoff is a big reason because of that. But I think at some point we're going to kind of see some of these conferences potentially realign and maybe almost have like a different, you know, right now there's the FBS and the FCS. There might even be like a third level with some of those premier programs now. That would disappoint me a little bit just because I think it would be really bad for the smaller programs. And I don't know. I just, I don't think it would be good for the interest in some of the other teams, but it seems like we're heading that way. So you got to do everything that you can to be in that conversation for the teams that are still relevant, you know, five, 10 years from now in whatever form of college uh, football we may have, you know, again, I, I think there's big changes coming to the sport and, the not-so-distant future. So that's all I've got for today. Uh, you know, we talked recruiting. We talked CFP playoff. Make sure you check out my interview with Ryan Edwards. It was a lot of fun chopping up with him. Um, he does great work. I'm a big fan of his, so it was cool to get him on. Talk about the state of college football in Colorado. Obviously, it's an uphill battle for relevancy. He told a really cool story about watching the Rams upset the Arkansas Razorbacks. He actually was sitting in the suite with Jerry Jones and Steve Atwater while that happened. Um, actually said Jerry was a really cool guy to watch football with. That was a little bit surprising to me, but uh, it was a great interview. Make sure that you go check it out. Uh, check out the draft pod. We've got all kinds of stuff coming up. I'm going to be doing some collab stuff uh, with the rugby guys. Um, so a lot of fun stuff coming up, a lot of good stuff. Before I go, I'm going to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. Uh, my abs lost last night. I'm feeling heartbroken. Um, for, for today's DraftKings pick of the week, I'm going with the Atlanta Hawks money line plus 104 against Philly. I really like this Hawks roster. I think Philly is vulnerable given Embiid's health. And I'm just a big Trey Young guy. Um, look, I think Luka Doncic is a generational talent, a Hall of Fame player. I think Dallas clearly won that trade. But I also think that Trey Young is just the perfect type of player, you know, for the city of Atlanta to brace. He really has a personality that meshes well with their culture. You know, the, the shit talking and silencing the crowd. Like, that's so Atlanta. And it's awesome. But beyond that, I think that Hawks roster is deceptively pretty dangerous. They've got a lot of scoring options. They play well together as a group. You know, I think if you put Luka Doncic on that Hawks team, they're championship contenders. Um, even so, though, I, I like Atlanta's ability to, you know, be competitive in this series. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. But for my DraftKings pick of the week, I am taking... The Hawks money line in Friday night's game at plus 104. So lock it in. Shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my tees, tucked into new Prada jeans, and we ain't spoken a month. But I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek, like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous. 
And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions And this is more about me and all of my self-deception I'll tell myself a lie, 100 times don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson And the peaches out from Palisade and they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies My daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass And my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were tripping to left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to lead But I'm so thankful for these days They put a smile on my face Flirt with me when you're bored That's what I'm here for Talk to me softly Till I get a little more Attached to the fact That you reply so quickly Dash and retract Only when you get sick of me sit back reminiscing back to when i got them digits i swear i need a witness of somebody quick with pinches i was out there floating all them feelings felt indigenous to places i don't visit heart eyes when i'm grinning heart eyes and them emojis you said you won't be on me i said you won't be lonely you can't count on me like a bank teller counter ain't never felt prouder never holding back don't got a front when i'm around her i want to listen more like maybe i should say less i'm not sure how to make an album this is just my best Guess my best friends are producers Send me beats, I bump the playlist Imagine all the hours Ableton was stuck on repeat All for me to rap about some girls who didn't like me SB 404s and stupid bars all wrote on loose leaf I wait a lot on promises That sound like maybes My contacts still just numbers But in person call me baby Like why I fall in love with every girl that wanna date me Introspective but scatterbrained on the daily I'll make a tape with the homies and rap the same thing I know it's just rhymes, but it sounds like everything. And the peaches out from Palisade. And they sweet as mama's marmalade. And this shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs. Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping to left feet. Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to leave. But I'm still thankful for these days, they put a smile on my face.